epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip-off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Welcome to the latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz from NCAA.com and Turner Sports. We are now past the early entry deadline for the NBA draft for 2021. Went all the way to May 30th. Normal times, pre-COVID, we would have the NBA draft combine in mid-May in Chicago. There'd be workouts, and then 10 days after the combine, players would have to withdraw from the NBA draft if they want to. Uh, Things have changed, obviously, in this last year. So the NBA draft in 2020 was in November. Now it will be July 29th. Summer League will follow in August in Las Vegas. So everything's pushed basically a month. What that meant was early entry deadline is May 30th. The Combine will be held in Chicago, but not at the old Attack Athletics facility on the west side. Instead, it'll be at Wintrust Arena, DePaul's Arena, June 22nd to the 27th. Lottery will be June 22nd. We'll find out the order 1 through 14. And then, still sticking with this, 10 days after the Combine, which is July 7th, that's when NCAA players that want to retain their eligibility have to withdraw from the NBA draft. Technically, you have until July 19th to withdraw from the draft from the NBA side, and the draft is July 29th. So it is a little bit of the perfect storm with super seniors, with the transfer portal, with the late time period for the draft, that we're not going to know the full rosters for quite some time. But for our purposes, what I want to do here is let's first deal with the players that may come back to March Madness. I mean, we're going to have time to go over the draft itself, I think in some order. It's Jalen Suggs, Gonzaga, Cade Cunningham, Oklahoma State, and Evan Mobley, USC. So three freshmen. And I think it depends who gets the pick. So we'll see what happens on June 22nd. But in terms of players on the fence, I wanted to bring on two guests. One to really dig down on players that you know decided to at least flirt with it. So Matt Babcock, he's going to come up first here. Family is rich in the NBA. His father, Dave, has worked for the Milwaukee Bucks for decades in various administrative roles in personnel. His late uncle, Rob, was a GM in Minnesota and Toronto. Uh, His uncle, Pete, was a GM in Denver and Atlanta. Worked for a while for the Cavaliers as well. And Matt has extensive scouting knowledge and now has his own scouting service through Basketball News. So we're going to break down players with Matt. Now, prior, or I should say, right after talking to Matt, we had some announcements. Kofi Coburn from Illinois decided to stay in the NBA draft. Isaiah Jackson 
from Kentucky, same deal. And Jared Butler from Baylor also decided to stay in the NBA draft. So that was all news that happened right after we spoke. Fran Fischilla, former colleague at ESPN. We did the NBA draft together for a long time. He also will break down the overall arching issues with the draft. And then I'm going to be in Cats ranks. My top 10 fence sitters and other guys I considered about whether or not they should stay in the NBA draft or their importance, I guess, to their teams if they decide to do so. So that's all coming up here on March Madness 365. First up, let's break it all down. The fence sitters with Matt Babcock. And now joining me here on March Madness, March Madness 365, Matt Babcock, an NBA draft analyst from basketballnews.com. And Matt comes from great genes in the NBA family, his uncles, his father, all in the NBA. Your late uncle Rob was a longtime GM. Your uncle Pete, longtime GM. Your father, Dave, uh, works for the Milwaukee Bucks. So it's all in the genes and you have carried that torch going forward, Matt. So first off, uh, before we get to these players, what's it been like, Matt, as these players are dealing basically with a draft, or you are as well, you know, twice within a, you know, 10-month period? Yeah, I mean, this the landscape of scouting and covering the draft right now is just so unique, pretty much from every angle you look at it. I mean, with seniors being able to return, uh, with NBA scouts not allowed to travel right now to go to see these guys work out, you know, obviously the transfer portal it's just it's just chaos right now. Any way you split it, <laughs> you know, what was interesting was last year because we didn't know if there was going to be a season, whether it was college or NBA, and the draft kept getting pushed back, you know, further and further. Ends up being in November, and so it was a long time for these players to wait. And we thought we'd have to wait and see what would happen in this rookie season. And in sense, I, I get the sense that we really should maybe wait on these guys, this class, at least a couple of years, maybe even an extra year to grade them. What do you think? No, absolutely. You know, it's funny. It's funny you say that. I'm actually finished up an article that I'm going to release uh, in the next couple of days, and it's pretty much outlining some of the rookies that did well and you know, sort of uh, you know exceeded my expectations, and then some of the guys that I expected to do well. You know, I, I think a lot of it has to do with lack of opportunity or not having summer league or a training camp. Uh, and so I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. You know, we, we need to give these kids some time just to kind of get their get their bearings and, and kind of get a lay of the land with the NBA because they just haven't had you know, traditional you know, protocol as far as getting, getting ready. Yeah, there's no question. First of all, they didn't have a summer. Um, and this summer, they will have one. The summer league will be in August. You know, I've been to many of these workouts, as you have across the country, in years past. What are these draft players doing now, whether it's in Las Vegas, Los Angeles, you know, these guys that are either on the fence or all in, how are these workouts happening as, you know, as everyone's sort of starting to get hopefully fully vaccinated, but, uh, you know, how, how is it all playing out? Yeah, no, I mean, I think the player's mindset is, is pretty typical how to use, you know, is in usual years, you know, just getting in the best shape possible and, and tying up their, their skills. I mean, the, the pre-draft process for the most part is, uh, you know, individual workouts to I mean, showing your handles and your you know spot shooting one-on-one, two-on-two. Some of the guys will play five-on-five at the combine. At least I'm, I'm assuming that's what the format they're using this year is, is uh, the standard one. Uh, so, you know, a lot, a lot of individual workouts is, is sort of what, what guys are doing right now and getting in the weight room and, you know, addressing whatever physical issues, uh, you know, that, that might be presented, whether the guy needs to, you know, lose some weight or get stronger. Uh, just day in, day out, the guys are generally just grinding right now. All right, so I'm just going to have some fun. We're going to have a conversation about these guys. I got a lot of names here, but I want to just pepper you with names, Matt, in terms of, you know, 
whether you feel comfortable saying, you know, they should stay in, shouldn't stay in, where you see them, because there's a lot of decisions that have to be made over the next few weeks. So, I, you know, like Max Asmus from Oral Roberts came on the scene, goes to the Sweet 16, leading scorer in the country. So he's testing the waters. What do you think? You know, he's, he's certainly a dynamic offensive player. I mean, he's on the smaller side, but, I mean, he could really fill it up. And so I'm, I'm intrigued by him. Uh, I am concerned with his ability to defend at pretty much anybody at the NBA level. And so I think he's a guy that probably has somewhat of a polarizing you know, market value. I personally would like to see him go back to school, but if he's in, you know, we're going to take him seriously because he, he does have, you know, a special skill that translates and that's putting the ball in the hole. Yeah. And if he comes back, then, you know, Oral Roberts could certainly have another special season. All right. Ochai Abaji from Kansas, you know, comes back suddenly Kansas, may be a different team. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've obviously watched him for, for years being at, you know, the big program at KU, you know, with him, I, I think he's a draftable player. I mean, he's got the, you know, the great physique, good athlete, and shot the ball, you know, very well this year. Even though I, I don't know if I trust it completely. At least I think the the numbers are a little misleading as far as how it will translate to the NBA. Um, he's kind of one of those kids where I could easily see his his mindset being, you know, how much better can I get at KU? How much more can I do? But you know, he's draftable. But you know, being a second round pick is risky because you have to fully negotiate those contracts, and so it's you know potentially no guarantees. And so I, I think he's probably a true 50-50 guy. All right, so let's stay with Kansas. Jalen Wilson and Remy Martin, who announced he was going to leave Arizona State for Kansas if he withdraws from the draft. He may stay in the draft. So Kansas is waiting to see what he's going to do. What about those two guys? Two very different situations for those players. Jalen Wilson's a guy that I'm very intrigued with. I think he's only scratched the surface, you know, as far as what he can become. Uh, but if he's in the draft, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if, if he got interest as a late first, early second. But if he goes back to school, I mean, he could he could make a big jump up and maybe play himself into being a solid first round pick next year. So, uh, you know, I'd like to see him go back, uh, but I'm, I'm watching that one closely. Uh, as far as Remy, you know, obviously, you know, a, a big time score at the college level. I'd like to see him be a better point guard. I don't see him being a guy that's likely to be drafted if he were to stay in. I, I would expect him at KU. And uh, I think going to play for Coach Self would, would be a good move for him. I mean, I think, you know, I, you, you know, just as well as I do, you know, being a guard for you know, KU is not not an easy task. And I think that would help Remy develop as a player. Yeah, it's a really unique situation that he's got. All right, so uh, another team that could benefit greatly if guys go back uh, is Maryland. So for Maryland, we got Eric Ayala. We've got Daryl Morcel, who could be a super senior if he comes back. And then Aaron Wiggins. So three players that really could change the dynamic of the Big Ten. What are your thoughts there? I mean, Wiggins, that's the guy that I, I've had probably the, the most, you know, on my radar the last couple of years. He hasn't made the jumps I, I hoped he would, uh, but I, I'm still intrigued with him, you know, being a big wing. Uh, the other guys, you know, I mean, I think they're, you know, somewhat relevant. They're, they're not guys that are in our top 60 or anything like that. With Marcel, I mean, the seniors, it's kind of one of those things. My, my approach is, just depends where your priors are at. I mean, if, if the guys are ready to, to turn the page and start the professional career, whether that be in the NBA, G League, or internationally, you know, I, I mean, I, you can't blame them. All right. The one of the biggest names that is on the fence from the NCAA tournament is Johnny Juzang. I mean, he had an unbelievable march into early April, just really had a special, memorable season. And so it was natural that he was going to at least experiment here. But if he comes back, I mean, he's a player of the year candidate. You see, like, win the national championship. What do you What do you think of Johnny? Yeah, I mean, you can't deny his production. I mean, that, that was impressive. That, you know, shot making ability. You know, with decent size as a wing, 
you know, I, I do question if he's able to defend on the NBA level. Uh, you know, so he's a guy, if he's in the draft, I mean, I, I definitely think he has a chance of being a second round pick. I, I don't think he's a surefire guy. I, I'd like to see him go back to school, but I, I do know there are some NBA scouts that, that like him, you know, more than others. So, I mean, it usually makes that a you know challenging decision for, for a kid like that. So staying in that Kofi Coburn from Illinois. You know, I mean, just the physical force, throwback big. You know, I, I think the biggest question with him is how, how does he translate to the modern day NBA where the court's so spread out now? It's a tough one. You know, I, I don't think he's a lock to be drafted, but I mean, that kid is a big boy that's, uh, you know, he's a force to be reckoned with even in a modern day NBA. All right. So you, if, if he's not drafted, he's got to come back. So you actually think there's a chance he may not be. Yeah, I, I, I think there's a there's a good chance that he, he goes undrafted. I mean, I, you know, I think he'd probably be, if I were to bet on it, I think it's a 50-50 type deal. Um, I mean, as of right now, he's not in our mock draft. Wow. All right. Very interesting. All right. So let me stay in the Big Ten because there's a lot of players that are like this that really could change the nature of their teams over the next couple of weeks. Ohio State, EJ Liddell and Dwayne Washington. Uh, very good college players. Uh, I, I like to see them go back to school. I, I don't think they're locks to be drafted. Uh, you know, I mean, interesting prospects, but I, you know, not guys that I'm overly excited about. All right. Let me keep going here. Travion Williams, Purdue. You know, uh, sort of similar to what I was saying about Cockburn. You know, I mean, I, I think he's a really good player, a little bit of a throwback, you know, doesn't translate that well. I mean, he's, he's definitely a guy that's on our radar, but again, not in our top 60 at the moment. All right, Rutgers, we got Geo Baker, who could be a super senior, and Ron Harper Jr. Um, you know, Baker, I, I think good college player. I, I don't see him as a surefire NBA player. Ron Harper is the guy, I mean, I think he came out the gates this year, you know, just really being like a stat stuffer and a bucket getter. My understanding is that he was leaning to go back to school. I'd heard that a while back. I don't know if things have changed. He's a guy that could be drafted, you know, for sure. I'm expecting him to go back to school. All right, another big name in the Big Ten that could be significant is Joe Wieskamp from Iowa. What are you thinking? Yeah, I like Joe a lot. You know, I mean, he's a guy, you know, being critical on these bigs. Joe's one of those guys that have had success, you know, like Duncan Robinson, a guy that was, you know, sort of underwhelming as a prospect coming out of Michigan, but he's got size and he shoots it. And so, I mean, a guy like Joe, I, I'm pretty excited about. I, I don't think he'd necessarily be a lock to be drafted, but I do think he can carve out a niche in the NBA of just being a, you know, a specialist. All right, so a little bit more pro on that one. Let's go to Kentucky. Davion Mintz could be a super senior, and they just picked up Severe Wheeler from Georgia. So once again, Kentucky could maybe get, well, Wheeler for sure if he comes back. But, you know, these are all Kentucky-related players. What do you think? Yeah, with Mintz, I, I, I don't, I'm not counting on him being an NBA-level guy. Uh, and so, I mean, I think he falls into that boat. Is, you know, is he ready to turn the page on in his professional career or looking to have another year in college? But I, you know, I, I don't see him being likely that he'll be drafted. Uh, and then as far as Wheeler goes, you know, a smaller guard, I, I think he needs more time. I, I think he needs to return to school. All right. I love going down these lists here. I have a few more here. Matthew Mayer from Baylor with the mullet. Yeah, he did. Uh, he did some interesting stuff this year. I think he should go back. But I mean, I, I'm going to be watching him. Isaiah Mobley. USC? Yeah, you know, had an up and down year. You know, obviously was in the shadow of his little brother, Evan. I think if uh, he's in, I, I think he's a guy that could be drafted. I'd like to see him go back and have a big year, though. Davion Harmon going from Oklahoma to Oregon. Yeah, I think he needs to go back. I mean, not a bad player. I, I just don't think he's got quite enough juice right now to, to be a solid draft pick. Uh, but I'll, I'll be watching at Oregon. How about Jason Preston from Ohio University? 
Yeah, you know, Jason's an interesting guy. You know, he's got the great size and, and, and just such a knack to, to make plays for, for his teammates. Um, not the quickest kid. I'm a little torn with him. I know there are some people that like him a lot. Um, I don't know, on the fence. I mean, de- definitely a guy that could sneak into the draft, but I'm not, I'm not certain yet. Super senior, Jose Alvarado, played at Georgia Tech. You know, a, t- a tough kid that had a great year. I think he's going to have a chance of, of clawing his way in. Sort of falls in that boat. Is he ready to turn the page, you know, right now or not? You know, definitely don't want to bet against him. I, I don't think he's a surefire draft pick, though. DJ Stewart, Mississippi State. Yeah, good player. You know, I was expecting him to go back to school. My understanding is that he's staying in. He's a guy that's on our radar. He's not currently in our top 60, but he's not far off at all. How about the co-player of the year in the American Athletic Conference, Tyson Etienne from Wichita State? Yeah, no, he's an interesting guy. You know, I actually would like to watch some more film on him. Uh, you know, he's not a guy that's in our top 60, but we, we've talked about him at length. Some of my guys know him better than I do. Deuce McBride, West Virginia. Yeah, I love uh, I love Deuce. I mean, you know, Hogan's kind of guy, right? Just defends and just a tough kid. I'd like to see him go back to school to polish up his point guard skills. But I mean, he's good. I mean, he would be a solid draft pick. I mean, it wouldn't even shock me if he were able to kind of get, get his way into the late first. But if he's in, he, he's, he's solid. Uh, but personally, I'd, I'd like to see him go back. How about this score from Pepperdine, Kessler Edwards? Yeah, Kessler's an interesting guy. You know, not the most fluid score, but, you know, very versatile defensively. Shoots threes, good athlete. Fits the modern game very well, whereas if this were 20 years ago, he'd be the classic tweener. Guys like that serve a lot of value right now, being able to switch and stretch the floor. Saul draft pick if he's out. If he goes back to school, he's going to be a priority guy for me. How about at Oregon State, they get to the Elite Eight, Warith, Alatisha. Yeah, you know, um, I don't see him as an NBA guy. I mean, that, that, watching that team, you know, do what they did in March was so much fun, but he's not a guy that's, that's hot on our radar. Marcus Bagley leaving Arizona State. Where's he going? Is he going in the NBA? You know, Arizona State, they've had a very disappointing year, top to bottom. And I really like Marcus. I mean, similar to what I was saying about Kessler Edwards, I think he fits the modern game well as far as being a forward that can stretch the floor and he's physical and he rebounds, switchable on D. Uh, I mean, he he could be a first-round pick. And so I, I would expect him to be in the draft. Julian Champagny, St. John's. Yeah, you know, I like him a lot. I mean, uh, you know, he's got great positional size and really shoots the ball. Kind of reminds me of Jordan Noir a little bit. You know, I like him a lot. I think he's a guy that whose game translates well. If he's in, I, I think he's a second-round pick. How about Musa Cisse from Memphis? You know, super hyped up out of high school. I mean, very impressive physical tools. Uh, plays really hard. Just not very polished offensively. Um, I, I think he needs to go back to school, but he's a guy that I'd like to kind of keep, keep tabs on. Another player that had a really good NCAA tournament, Colin Castleton from Florida, started his career at Michigan. Big guy. Yeah, he's not, not been hot on our radar. I, I think he probably needs to go back. All right, last two. Marcus Carr, Minnesota. He could be a super senior if he decides to come back to college basketball. Yeah, I mean, had, had a great year. Um, you know, I mean, he's capable of doing a lot offensively. I think he's a, he's a guy that if he's in, um, you know, could get a look at, at getting drafted in the second round, would be a good two-way player. You know, g- going back to the same thing, it just depends if he's ready to make the next step or not. And the last guy that I'm intrigued by, whether or not he plays for Hubert Davis, Armando Baycott. Yeah, you know, Baycott, um, another guy that's somewhat of a throwback big, not, not the most athletic, but, I mean, d- does produce, good rebounders, got, you know, good physicality. I'm not overly excited about him, but, I mean, he, he's somebody that we, we've watched closely. I, I think he should probably go back. All right, so 
this could be great news for Kansas and the Big Ten. If what you're saying actually happens, I hope they're listening uh, because you know. Uh, But, I mean, these are the guys that are basically fence sitters. And the other thing, you know, Matt, is what we'll know here pretty soon is the first line of, you know, sort of the whether or not you're on one side or the other is, if you are on this list that I just rattled off to you and you don't even get an invite to Chicago, that should be red flag number one, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously there's there's exceptions because, I mean, it takes one team to kind of, you know, solidify your faith, right? And so, I mean, you know, there's always that that possibility, but I, I do think it'd be a good indicator if you're not invited to the combine, you probably should be careful. All right, Matt, uh, where can everyone find all your content? Yeah, so basketballnews.com, where we're doing a ton of draft coverage. I'm, I'm going to hit the road this weekend going to pre-draft workouts, and uh, I'm going to write about it. Uh, we're going to do different videos uh, discussing it. Um, yeah, pretty much just a lot, lot, of, lot of content from now until the draft. And you are part uh, of a new event. Tell us about it. Yeah, the Tampa Bay Pro Combine. Great group of people uh, put together a pre-draft event. It's going to be somewhat of a supplement to the Portsmouth Invitational this year where, where you know they invite a lot of seniors that are looking to make the next step to the pros. They asked uh, me and Fran Fischel to the, the lead the player selection committee. Uh, so we've done that. So that, that's going to be next week, June 3rd to the 6th. It should be a great event. Awesome, Matt. You're doing great work. Everyone should follow Matt Babcock, basketballnews.com. It's not just the great genes that he's got in his family history here. He's taking the baton and running with it. Uh, Matt, I appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Andy. Andy Katz, that guy will rank his wife's dinners. He'll rank anything. And now in Cats Ranks, I'm going to look at my top 10 list of fence sitters, players that have declared for the NBA draft, but haven't decided if they're going to stay in the NBA draft. So this is my top 10 list of the most important players that need to make a decision. At number 10, Tyson Etienne of Wichita State helped the Shockers win the American Athletic Conference. He was the co-player of the year this past season. For Isaac Brown, he could certainly come back and do the same for Wichita State. At number nine, Armando Baycott of North Carolina. Hubert Davis, new head coach, moving one seed over as the assistant coach. Uh, He'd love to have Baycott back to be that anchor inside. Remember, Garrison Brooks left to go to Mississippi State, so uh, getting Baycott back would be huge. At number eight, Max Acemas had him on the pod last week. Oral Roberts. If he comes back with Kevin O'Banner, then Oral Roberts could do what they did last season, which is win a couple games in the NCAA tournament as long as they get through the Summit League. At number seven, Ron Harper Jr. from Rutgers. I don't think he's ready yet for the NBA draft, and if he comes back, then uh, Rutgers certainly will be in the mix to get back into the NCAA tournament, and he could be an All-Big Ten performer. At number six, Joe Wieskamp from Iowa. He's probably the guy on this list that's the most tenuous player for going back because a lot of NBA scouts like him. You heard discussion about him on this pod, and yet I think that he could stay in the draft. But if he comes back, then Wieskamp could have an unbelievable season for Iowa and be a potential Big Ten Player of the Year. At number five, staying in the Big Ten, EJ Liddell of Ohio State. Once again, he returns. The Buckeyes would have a chance to win the Big Ten. At number four, let's go to the Big 12. Another player that really could stay in the NBA draft and be a first-round pick is Miles McBride from West Virginia. If he comes back to West Virginia, he's got a chance to be a Big 12 player of the year, lead the Mountaineers near the top of the Big 12, but he could stay in. At number three, we talked to him last week on March Madness, Remy Martin 
now of Kansas, if he withdraws from the NBA draft. He would be the point guard for the Jayhawks, a team that would be favored probably to win the Big 12, to unseat Baylor. And yet, he's got a tough decision because he's already spent his whole career at Arizona State. Does he want to play one more season? But it'd be one more season at Kansas. And as we heard in talking to him last week, I kind of think he's leaning toward going to Kansas. At number two, Hunter Dickinson from Michigan. A late decision by Dickinson to enter his name in the NBA draft. If he comes back, Michigan's going to be one of the best teams in the country. They still may be without him, but with him, I think for sure they will be one of the best teams. But he's big, and any big men could go. No question. He could be a first-round pick because of his size. Could go higher if he works out well. But number one, the most important player that I think is making a decision, and that's Johnny Juzang from UCLA. He's not a lock for the first round at all, but he's a stat stuffer, a bucket getter. He had a march to remember, and if he comes back, UCLA could be the best team in the country. They certainly could be a top five team. So that's a tough decision for Juzang. Can you repeat what you did last season in March? Cody Riley also declared from UCLA, but I'm not sold that he's going to stay in. Now, there were other names that I considered that I think are also very important, but Travion Williams from Purdue, Dwayne Washington from Ohio State, Davion Mintz from Kentucky, Geo Baker from Rutgers, Severe Wheeler from Kentucky, Aaron Wiggins and Eric Ayella from Maryland, Daryl Marcel from Maryland, Jason Preston from Ohio, Jalen Wilson from Kansas, Dawson Garcia from Marquette, all those players could have been in this list. So it's going to be really interesting next couple of weeks as we first wait to see who gets into the Chicago Combine on June 22nd. And now joining me here on March Madness, March Madness 365 ESPN college basketball analyst, Fran Fischilla. And I think the best NBA draft analyst. I worked many years with Fran on the NBA draft at ESPN. So I value his opinion. So with Matt Babcock, I went over who's in, who's out of the fence sitters. I don't want to go through every player like I did with Matt. Yeah. First, though, just in general, your thoughts on the NBA draft being a month later. What's the effect of that on the players who have to decide what they're going to do and the colleges that are waiting until July 7th? Andy, this has been going on for a number of years now. And uh, as I said, way back when the NBA and the NCAA changed their rules, tried to make it compatible somewhat that you're basically dealing with roster management if you're a college coach, okay? Uh, And we're seeing that more than ever with the free year, seniors going back, transfers, immediately eligible guys. So take that and let's just say that's the way life is right now, college basketball. I think the hardest part about this NBA draft is going to be just the the overall effect of the pandemic. There were very few scouts out this year. There were very few people, even like us, who got to see games in person. I only saw a handful. And so I think the most difficult thing this year is not going to be where the calendar falls because the teams are going to do their due diligence, uh, watching film, Zoom calls, background checks, et cetera. The most difficult thing is the ability not to get out and evaluate these players the way they normally do. And I think the good evaluators, the good NBA teams will still do a great job. But it's it's been a unique 15 months that we've uh, we've had to navigate. And I think that's going to be the greatest challenge. All right. So here's something that I know is in my soapbox. I think it's in yours. Yeah. Which is There's a million paths now. Not a million. There's a handful of paths. Absolutely. And obviously in the top 10, there will be a couple of players that chose a different path. And that's fine. But at the top of the draft, Mm -hmm. right off the bat, Jalen Suggs, Cade Cunningham, 
and Evan Mobley playing this season, even amid a pandemic, how much did it help them at least playing one year or one season of college basketball? Well, it helped them like it has helped 99% of the guys who've ever turned out to be NBA stars, minus the Kevin Garnett's, the Kobe Bryant's, you know, those unique players, LeBron. Um, no, it helped them tremendously. It, uh, you know, again, I'm like you, a lot of roads to the NBA, and I'm not one of those, you know, get off my lawn guys. You want to go to overtime. You want to go to G League Ignite. Do your thing. You want to go to Australia. Brandon Jennings played 10 minutes a game on an Italian professional team. He was still a high pick, right? I think it obviously helps because you play, you, you know, you get coached for a year. Not that the coaching is bad anywhere else, but, you know, those guys were all well coached by and large. They played in big games. I think they got a chance to market themselves. I mean, I, I, don't, I know these people who poo-poo college basketball as or we're exploiting these guys. By the way, you know, like at, at Gonzaga, they spend 150 grand a year on every player total. Room board, tuition books, Nikes, travel, academic support. And by the way, no student loan debt. That's another story. But you can't tell me that Zion Williamson using ESPN, also known that year as the Duke Television Network, didn't uh, benefit from being on TV every night. And so I, I still think it is the best path. It's not the only path, but it has been time tested. And I think all three of those kids are going to be in the top five, maybe the top three, because we know more about them than we do Jalen Green and uh, Jonathan Kaminga. Even if you're a high-level NBA scout, you spent a, a month in the G League bubble. So let me just look at Suggs for a moment here. His March Madness, you know, his passing ability, but that, that shot, yeah. you know, I think that obviously he's taking advantage of it and he should you know, brand-wise, yeah. but what did his play in the postseason, getting Gonzaga to that title game, what did that tell you? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to veer off in here and say not much. Not much, only because I think people who had properly evaluated him. You know, guys don't move up the draft or drop. It's just that people eventually figure out who's good and who's not. And with Jalen Suggs, going back to his play at USA Basketball, we watched him in Colorado Springs. What I saw and what many saw was a young Chauncey Billups, a six foot four point guard. It took a while for Chauncey to become that. But Jalen Suggs would have been in the same position draft wise because he played the entire season for Gonzaga as because he hit that shot. Let's face it. You know what I mean? It was a great shot, a great moment, great theater. But no, I think that he proved over the course of the season that he is going to be a two-way NBA player, obviously a starter from day one, a potential all-star, and then we'll stop there for now. But I think he's got Chauncey Billups. He's got Jason Kidd, Jeans. Mark Few says he's the most competitive kid he's ever coached Gonzaga. That says a lot. And he's a winner. He's always been a winner. He's tough. He played high school football. We can go on and on, but he's going to be exactly where he should be, whether he hit the shot or not. But again, playing a whole year at Gonzaga certainly helped him. All right, so there's two players I'm really curious your opinion on. One we know is in the draft for sure. Uh, the other one is one fence sitter that I'm really intrigued by your opinion on. Yeah. And they had unbelievable NCAA tournaments. Mm -hmm. One is, and we'll start here, Davion Mitchell from Baylor. Where is he in your mind in this draft and, and, and how much he helped himself this past season and helping the Bears win the national championship. Well, you know how close I am to that program through the years. Um, By the way, the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year. Yes, yes. Uh, and of which I have a vote and uh, do a lot of work with the Naismith Committee. Uh, thank you for mentioning that. First of all, I've been fortunate enough to get to know Davion over three years, including the year sitting out. 
I remember that year that Jared Butler was a freshman before I went to the first practice that the coaching staff said, wait till you see the two guys sitting out. They're as good as this guy. And it turned out to be the case with Teague and Davion. Davion had a game in January, late January, early February, where he had 29 against Kansas State. They won by 50. And I remember a couple of my really good NBA scouting friends said to me, because we talked, this kid's a lottery pick, right? I mean, is there anybody really... And so, you know, the educated eye says, yeah, I think he could be a lottery pick. At at worst, he's in the top 20. So what he did at the end of the year was just validate what a lot of smart NBA people already knew. We didn't need him moving up the draft board to figure that one out, okay? He is uh, a tremendous young man. He's a great athlete. He's one of the fastest guys in the draft. He's a great defender. And he shot over 40% from three this year, which really elevated him. Spider Mitchell. If you go back three years, Spider Mitchell was unsure whether to come out or not. His mom pushed him out the door because he wasn't sure whether he wanted to go back and play for Rick Pitino another year, which would have been nice, or come out. It turned out Spider turned out to be way better than we thought. Davion now has been compared to him. I worry about it's a little too much, but he's going to be a good NBA player and is going to be in that top 15. All right. So the most intriguing player for me that could go back to college, the guy who was unbelievable in March, led his team within a whisker of the national championship game. And that's Johnny Juzang from UCLA. What are your thoughts on him? It's a tough one, man. I know the family, his older brother played at Harvard and his dad, the family's a wonderful family. He's a guy that could trick teams because of how well he played in March, because he was so spectacular. He's not a great athlete, but he is a shot maker. He creates his own shot. You don't have to run plays for him. And he had a magical march. He is one of those guys that could come out now and maybe go a little higher than a lot of NBA teams expect him to go because there might be one team that values that shot making. It's a tough call because I don't think he's quite ready for the NBA, but you don't have to be ready to get guaranteed money in the middle of the first round. And Taylor Horton Tucker is a perfect example at Iowa State. You know, I I didn't think he was ready. He went in the mid-second round and he ended up winning an NBA championship with LeBron. So the point is he can come out. His stock is high. I think he should go back another year, but his stock might not be higher next year. That UCLA team's going to be loaded. He may not have the same role next year on a deeper UCLA team. Fran, you and I have been together a long time and covering this. And I finally feel like everyone's more on the same page uh, where They're not fighting if you're going to the combine or, you know, we'll see how many workouts actually happen because of the pandemic. But at some point, we'll get to that uh, to where they will happen. They are happening, Um, by the way. As we speak in mid-May, I heard of a couple kids working out yesterday for teams. For teams. Okay. All right. Good. So it's starting to happen more and more, but it just it it feels like whether it's the headquarters in Indy, the coaches, um, the agents, I, I don't know. I just get a sense that things are a little bit more you know, simpatico here than, than, than they used to be to where, hey, go ahead, try it. And if you don't, we got this spot for you and, and come back. It's a reality. You know, three years ago, I used the term roster management supervisor because I think that's the most important role right now for a college head coach. And you have to just accept the fact that when one of your guys leaves early and maybe earlier than you expected, like Villanova and Sadiq Bay last year, there's no way when they recruited Sadiq Bay that they thought he would be a two and done. And now Sadiq is going to be NBA all rookie. So when it happens, you have to embrace it and either use it in recruiting like Villanova, Gonzaga, Virginia do, or understand right now. And my, some of my good friends don't like this term, but it's true. It's free agency now. 
So you lose a pro, go find one in the portal. It's just the way it is, Andy. You have to be flexible nowadays. You can't be, you know, you see Calipari at Kentucky right now loading up with transfers like we thought he might because not all one and dones are the same. And so, yeah, I think coaches are more receptive to the fact that they have to stay flexible and um, we're in uncharted waters here. We're not going to know what the product looks like until next season, but it is what it is and we're ready to throw it up in November. All right. The combine is expected to happen. You and Matt are part of an earlier combine, if you will, that's uh, in Tampa. Great new event. But the actual NBA-sponsored combine, June 22nd, 27th at Wintrust Arena to Paul's campus. There's a Marriott attached. That's why they're shifting over there. Yeah. If you're not in that first group that gets a combine invite and you're on the fence, what does that tell you? Well, it tells you that the team's don't value you as a first two rounds pick, although one-fifth of the league right now in the NBA has been undrafted. So it doesn't mean you got no chance. But what it tells you is that most of the decision makers don't feel you're ready to come out. But we also know, while that it's in the best interest of a lot of kids to go back and continue to get better, some guys don't like school and they want to get started on their careers. They'll go to the G League, which is now an option, you know. But um, these are mostly smart people. So if you're not in that top 60, it should tell you something, but it doesn't tell everybody everything because people doubted Fred Van Vliet. They doubted Royce O'Neal, who starts for the Utah Jazz. They doubted a whole bunch of other guys that have made the league undrafted. But that's the safest thing to do is to go back and maybe build your profile. But we also know there's a lot of ways to get to the league and grit and determination are two big factors, which often happens with guys who go undrafted. Hey, one last thing, Fran, before I let you go. Uh, the Ivy League, your son played at Harvard. Yeah. You know, the only league that didn't play this past season. You got the palestra behind you. Yes. I'm just curious, how thirsty do you think those Ivy players and coaches are to finally get back out there? They made the call. I think Robin Harris, the commissioner, you know, Ivy League sports is back. It's great. By the way, she was ahead of the curve, wasn't she? Yeah, with the tournament. Yeah, it's great. I mean, these kids are athletes. They're students. I mean, it's they're eight of the greatest universities in the in the world, and a lot of kids, whether they play football, field hockey, basketball, you know, they're going to be back competing, and that's going to be fun in the fall. Fran, appreciate it. Thank you. Always a pleasure, Andy. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. As always, we really appreciate your engagement with our podcast throughout the course of the year. Big shout out to our team at Turner Sports. Chad Acock, Abby Stoltz, Michael Kaplan, Bleacher Report team that helps facilitate this pod, and of course, our NCW.com team that repurposes it. As always, I say again, uh, we can't do this without you, the fan who is engaging with us throughout the course of the year. So thank you. As we enter June, we get one step closer to a very busy offseason. We've got recruiting that's going to start up again for the first time in well over a year in June and in July. Those events are going to come back. Rosters are still being finalized, although it's slowing down quite a bit. Their portal also is, as well as now we got to wait to see who decides to stay in the NBA draft. So still a lot to digest here on March Madness 365. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk soon. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... 
Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.